The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America. Tuesday morning, 9.05, and another edition of the award-winning Authors Hour on Smoker 99.9 FM, WNRI.com, Alexa, TuneIn Radio, Simple Radio, Streamer, about 14 different avenues for picking up the broadcast every Tuesday along with our fine programming at WNRI since 1954. We have an all-star show for you today, and I do not say that lightly. Dr. Howard, no, we have Dr. Michael Fine in the building, and we will be talking about this flu and this virus and everything else, but did you know the rest of the story? He's also an author. We had him on a few months ago with a book called Abundance that I truly, truly enjoyed. It, really, it threw me off because I, I didn't think he had that type of book into him. Then he sends me another book the other day, The Bull and Other Short Stories, and he's producing a short story every week that's publicized that you can read every single week. Good morning, Dr. Michael Fine. How are you? Good morning, Wayne. It's nice to be here. Unbelievable. And he found the place. He's a frequent flyer here. He had to punch in his card when he come in the door. We consider him part of the family here. But also as a segue to that, we're both a member of the same family. And that is the richest literary family in the state of Rhode Island, probably New England. The Association of Rhode Island Authors. I'm a member on the board, and also uh, Dr. Michael Fine is also a member. Uh, last two or three years he's been on, and his goal is to produce at least one book a year. Isn't that exciting? And different genres and stuff like that. Very, very talented man. Could you please listen to the next advertisement? If you're an aspiring writer, or you have a manuscript ready to go, or you get into poetry, anything like that, Please enjoy and get that paper and pencil for the next advertisement. Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozens of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Advanced notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. Now, a couple of changes to that with the uh, pandemic and the virus still predominant and with the rules and regulations on crowds. Our annual first Saturday of December Expo that we've held 
uh, most years in a row now with the roads on the Patuxet, we rent that whole property, cannot be held this year. But we are going to go on with a virtual uh, type of uh, clinic for us or our expo featuring a lot of our authors and seminars and stuff like that. So we will be out there in force on that. And our lively literati it just started getting some traction at the East Greenwich Hotel on Main Street. That is put on hold too. So watch our website and on Facebook for any announcements and changes to that. And uh, we'll keep you right informed with that. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny. Happy birthdays today, Tuesday, October 27th. Uh, Chuck Webber, 57, from his family. Troy Andrews, also 57. Charlie White, a big happy birthday. And a former classmate, Brad Smith, our Dr. Smith's son from Oakland when we were growing up there back in Burrowville. And also on uh, November 1st from husband Alan, I, I want to get it in today because I won't be on the air that day, uh, turning the big 72, Joan Hopkins, Alan Hopkins' wife from Alan, and it's on November 1st, and Teddy Roosevelt was born on his date in 1858. First part of our show is going to be sponsored by B. Lou's Flowers right here at 665 Diamond Hill Road. Uh, they're taking the pallets out now. All kinds of mums, 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 and this is not my Mel Tillis impression. It's because they have every size, every color, and also wood pellets. You got any of that stimulus check you want to spend right now? Get a pallet of those wood pellets. You know what's coming right around the corner. Possibility of snow this Friday. And my relatives up in Maine have already seen it twice. So don't procrastinate. Get one of those pallets of those good quality Canadian wood pellets with the low BTUs on that. Really, really good stuff. At Beelu's Flowers and so much more, 401-766-3165. Transportation and limousine services today provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks and Little General Stores. Yep, there's one in your neighborhood. Chuck Hamburg, $3.99 a pound, no limit. Uh, ground pork, my wife says get four pounds for Thanksgiving and it'll keep good. On sale, $2.29 a pound. Uh, Chef Gary McLaughlin is going to talk about that tomorrow morning. And Jeff is going to make a pork pie for everybody and uh, the Woonsocket area. Sirloin tip steaks at $8.99 a pound too. We've still got time. Okay, let's get into the meat of the show today. Right in front of me, we have a member, uh, Michael Fine, Dr. Michael Fine. Or author Michael Find, a lot of titles over there, and he's on a lot of boards too. <laughs> Keeps me out of trouble. The very first story in this book that you got to me, this is the Bull and Other Stories. It's right on Amazon. It's available from the publisher, uh, Stillwater Press, Stillwater Books, right in Pawtucket, and other major outlets. This is going to be a good one. The very first story that matched the cover related to me, you hit a home run. You had me on the hook on the cover. Growing up in Mapleville on the Barber Farm with the McLean Farm right next door to me, 
I grew up with cows and bulls and all of that in my part of my daily uh, chores and stuff like that. And the way you wrote this story, I became the book. And when a writer can do that, you've accomplished your mission. How cool is that? I, I honestly, I truly felt like I was right, step back in time. You did such an eloquent, did you grow up on a farm? I didn't grow up on a farm, but I actually spent a couple of months one summer uh, bucking hay in Lexington, outside of Lexington, Kentucky, um, in, when I was in college. That surprises me. And so I learned my way around. You know, I, I learned how to throw a bale of hay and put it exactly where I wanted it to go back in the day when we had bales. I mean, bales have now gone. It's kind of amazing to me. Um, but I started with loose hay. Yep. Wow. <laughs> on a wagon with a tractor. Wow. And we lost it one time. We cut all the hay at the uh, Townsman Club right off Central Avenue. Yep. It wasn't the Townsman Club, but that was a farm then. So my brother George got the contract, and we cut it. We didn't have a baler at the time, or otherwise it was broke. We took a flatbed, and me and my brother Paul got on top of it to make weight yep. to keep it on, and we're holding Coleman lanterns because there was no taillights on the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to the Mapleville Bridge in the center of Mapleville up in Boroughville. Yep. God's honest truth. They got distracted, shifted the thing, and we lost the load right on the bridge. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody alive has seen loose cut hay. Yeah, you know that was the way they used to do it. Yep. You know they used to they used to make haystacks. Yep. The 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 uh, expression "a needle in a haystack" yep. came from when we didn't have bales and we didn't have barns to put the bales in. Yep. They used to rake it up into a huge stacks. 10, 12, 14 feet high. Um, the outside would weather, but the inside would stay good. And that's how they fed their animals all winter. Now, another couple of events that we shared this year was I've been doing the uh, North Sedgwick Farmers Market on Saturday morning, and I had the responsibility of supplying an association with Island author every Saturday. And we had a late cancellation, and I put it out there, and you took advantage of that opportunity with very, very little notice. Did you enjoy that experience? Well, I, I live in Situate. Yep. So, you know, it was a, a, a wonderful opportunity to see friends and neighbors. It was great. You know, it was, I mean, it was very impressive because it was the weekend that's usually the Situate Art Festival. And, you know, the Situate Art Festival didn't happen this year because of the pandemic. And everybody was kind of feeling lost. But still a couple of hundred people came that we, that that day to the farmer's market, which is way more than usual. I've and, done well there. I have. Every time I've done it, I've had really, really good sales. It, it was really impressive. And, you know, one of the things that was most interesting to me, you know, because I have I wear a couple of hats was that in that place, every single person was masked. Yep. It was not even I a agree. question about it. Yep, it was, was really interesting. You know, the politics went out the window. Yep. People were really interested in taking care of each other, and that was kind of a great thing. And it's well organized. The, the people, the women that run that, are set up at the entrance to it, and they do not miss a trick. And they're always going around, making sure everything's okay, making sure your weight's on the, uh, uh, your... Uh, tents and stuff like that in case there's a gust of wind, uh, rubbish, uh, fantastic music, and what a mix they have there. And everybody was perfectly spaced out 
by Rhode Island rules and regulations. We're going to do a lot on Rhode Island rules and regulations on the virus because I've been watching as a big fan, Go Local Provs, on your uh, comments down there with that weekly feature. But let's talk about whatever you would like to talk about because it is your time. You have podcasts now, alternative fiction. You have a brand new item that we'd like to talk about a little bit called Healthcare Revolt audiobook. Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. Uh, Healthcare Revolt is a book that came out in uh, 2018, um, which makes the argument that we don't have a healthcare system in the United States. What we have is an industry or a market. It exists to sell stuff, not to take care of people. I agree 100%. And so it makes the argument what we need is a healthcare system that's for people, not for profit, and takes care of everybody. It doesn't get into the you know, single-payer argument. It's more saying we've got to build a healthcare system that takes care of everybody with one uh, health center in every neighborhood and community, and that it's going to take a, basically a movement like the civil rights movement to get that done because there's so much money being made on the backs of normal Americans under the guise of health care, most of which has nothing to do with health care. Right. You know, I mean, think about even this damn pandemic. When you go to get a test, it costs somebody $100. Somebody's paying for it. Somebody's paying for it. 100 bucks a test. That's a test that costs 6 bucks to run. <laughs> so somebody's making 94 bucks every time somebody gets a test. We've had, in Rhode Island alone, we've had a million tests. That's $100 million that we likely spent on tests. And let me tell you, that money would have been better spent in lots of other ways. We could have spent it on education or housing or other things that have a bigger influence on health. Anyway. I got a feeling we should have had a three or four-hour show here. I really do. Because <laughs> I, I am just warming up. Well, that, that I, I should tell you, that book did pretty well. Yep. And so we went back and did an audio book. And we just released the audio book with a new chapter. With your voice? With my voice. Okay. Um, we just released it a month or two ago. Because a lot of authors elect to use a professional orator. Um, well, you know, it probably would have been a, a, a decent choice. Okay. But I feel this pretty deeply. Yep. And so I think that... That, that conveys. That I, conveys, you know, I think I get the intonation right. Um, you know, I, I, I love doing it myself. We'll probably do one of Abundance before long. I got a question. I've never done an audio book, and something just flashed through my head. Audio book is going to be on a tape as you do it. Right. Do you go back and forth with an editor and editor the audio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's I how mean, it works. It's not a tape anymore. It's all digital. Yep. Um, but you know, there's somebody who you know edits edits what we do. So you have I, that final editor. I should have never said that. Yep. Or I should have emphasized this. I was breathing too close. Or, or you know, what I what I do is I have somebody who's basically an engineer there with me. And so if, if we need to go back and redo something, we go back and redo it. Fantastic. We try to get it perfect. Do you see that as a wave of the future, the audiobooks? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think it was a bigger deal before the pandemic because people were commuting. It's still a bit of a big deal, mostly because people go and exercise, and they like to listen as they With exercise. the pods in their ears and yep. all that. Um, but I think when commuting comes back, audiobooks and podcasts will get bigger again. Because people don't often have the time to read or think they don't have the time to read, which yep. is its own disaster. But, 
you know, I'd much rather people read than than listen, but either way works pretty well. Now, the book we're discussing today, this is your latest book out. It's called The Bull and Other Short Stories by Dr. Michael Fine, a Rhode Island resident here right from North Sedgwick, available at all the fine markets and on the national uh, business outlets also. Do you uh, accumulate a lot of short stories since you've been writing, uh, even before Abundance, uh, the book we had discussed earlier, and you have a portfolio of short stories? You enjoy writing short stories on spirit-of-the-moment subjects, uh, matters? Yeah, um, I have been writing a short story a month for now about five years. Wow. Um, but I wrote a bunch of short, short stories uh, in the early 90s and even going back to the 70s. My first published short story was in the early 70s, actually. Wow. Um, and so I've been doing this for a long time. And in a short story, I get to sort of deal with the things that are that I'm thinking about right then, yep. you know, the issues of the moment. Novels are a whole different experience. That's, a, that's developing relationships uh, among people over time and thinking how they sit in, in the world in which they live. You know, it's a very different enterprise. A novel takes all of my energy for months at a time, but I now break off after novel writing and once a week, you know, or once a month take a week and write a short story just to sort of keep the short story thing alive. Now, on present day, items that are in the news or something as a, just a spirit of the moment inspiration? All over the place. All, you know, you'll see from this book, there are stories that are very, very, very topical. You know, stories about the conflict around uh, politics in the United States that look at, you know, that sort of take down both sides a little bit. Yep. Um, and there's a story, there's one story set in a farm in India, one story set on Kennedy Plaza uh, with somebody who's homeless, um, all sorts of different stuff. I read the second story in there because I don't want to give the entire book away. It's not a 700-page book or anything like that. It's a chapter book, and it's really broken down nice. But the second one I spotted and I read through related to me also, the one about the huge, huge oak tree. It's so big, and the emotional part of somebody cutting a tree, and like cutting off somebody's arm as a surgeon. And then also, I related back to the story you wrote about the bull and the human aspect of the farmer, even though it was a vicious animal, it was also his pet right. at the same time. And you relayed both of those uh, feelings that you had as a writer in both of those short stories on a living thing. Well, the tree is a living thing, too, the oak tree, and a lot more history than the bull. Right. Being that size, it's been there two or three hundred years. Yeah, that's a that was a good 300-year-old tree. And... Uh, that type of profession, uh, you look at it two ways. It's an eight-to-five job to cut the trees down, and then your moral obligation. It's a beautiful thing of nature. And you related that into the story, intertwined it. Absolutely perfect. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I think the opportunity of fiction is for each of us to see the world from the perspective of other people. In many ways, you know, we're in this time that feels incredibly polarized, where people in one family can't talk to each other if their politics are different. Um, that's, that's out of control. 
And I think what's happened is we've lost the ability to see the world from the perspective of our friends and neighbors. Fiction, when I write, I have to put myself into the brain of somebody who's different from me um, in order to make it feel real. And I'm hoping that people who read what I write can then see the world from a, that different perspective. They will. And when they do that, all of a sudden, they understand that you know everybody around them has what sometimes is called an inner life, and that inner life is rich and different from what they may see on the outside. And I think that helps us connect a little bit better as human beings. And it's that ability to connect as human beings, that's what's going to take us through this very crazy time where it seems like we can't see, hear, or listen to each other. I got three emails here that I'm spotting right off the bat that are appropriate for the year. Uh, Dick Flavin from San Francisco, the poet laureate for the Boston Red Sox, uh, retired, is listening loud and clear. So I think that's a three-hour difference he got up. Uh, a real famous person, I'm really honored she's tuned in, Jane Friedman, who is very, very big in our business. If you're on the Internet, you've heard the name Jane Friedman. Anne Galloway, right now at the Vermont Digger, is tuned in. I get a daily email from her every day, and there's a lot of things that are related in Vermont that I can relate with ecology to Rhode Island, and they have some fantastic outdoor writers up there, and Galloway's tuned in. And the last one is our president, Mike Sprigrito, of the Association of Rhode Island Authors. He's listening loud and clear. I hope I'm not getting him in trouble because he's an engineer by trade. But uh, a lot of people listen to tutored radio stuff as a backdrop while they do their Facebook and emails. But I'd like to acknowledge those superstars for tuning in. What to a great honor. Okay. Let's get back to, uh, first of all, in the uh, hallway, that monthly thing you do on short stories. Where can people read them? So I have a website, uh, uh, Um And the, you, if you go on the website, you can sign up. And we will email you one short story a month. Now, is that like a MailChimp or something like that? Yeah, we use, uh, uh, I can't remember which of the... Constant Contact. Constant Contact. Yeah, okay. Um, and then also, uh, RhodeIslandNews.com has been putting up one short story a month. Okay. Um, they're a, a sort of daily, you know, almost like a newspaper equivalent. Um, really interesting stuff about you, Rhode Island. Are you getting feedback from your uh, readers oh, yeah, after they read that? Then they send you an email? Yeah, I get lots of feedback, and it's Isn't great. Isn't that fun? Oh, it's fantastic. It's an it's, instant response. Well, it's it's just, you know, hearing somebody, hearing that somebody read the story and reacted to it and, yep. you know, sometimes was moved by it, you know, that makes the whole thing worthwhile. Okay. Rogers watched it. I've watched it. Jeff has watched it. GoLocalProvidence.com. It's one of our competitors, but we use it as a news source, and there is some valuable stuff on that, and some of it is fake news in pure sense. But last Friday, I looked, and I saw your comments on that and on your fantastic interview on your version and your estimation of what is actually going on right now in Rhode Island with the virus. We're not talking New York, New Orleans. We're talking home, Rhode Island. The rolling average for daily COVID in the U.S. has reached a record high right now as of this morning at 69,000, surpassing the July peak of 67,000. If I do my math right, this is not 
subsiding or leveling off, we are still increasing. The average number of new tests went from 950,000 to a million, or about 5%. The 225,735 deaths, is this accurate or does it include other ailments for the federal reimbursement funds to the nursing homes? And Vermont is right now back to their April figures. I got this from Ian Colloway, one of his writers yesterday. They're saying they're all, they went back to the Vermont figures already from April. So Vermont is actually doing about the best in the country. Rhode Island is back to where we were. Rhode Island is back to where we were in April and May. We are too now? We are too. Those are the real figures. In terms of numbers of new cases per day. Now you have to sort of take into account that we're testing many more people. We're testing three or four times more people. Um, But you can really tell what's going on in the community by looking at the number of people in the hospital. The number of people in the hospital has more than doubled inside of six to eight weeks. And based on the number of new cases, I'm projecting that we will have three to 400 cases, three to 400 people a day in the hospital inside three weeks. We are seeing widespread circulation in Rhode Island right now. And at the level that we were seeing in, uh, in, 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 in April and May, it's a, re- it's a bit discouraging, um, but it's time for everybody to be really careful. It's time for people over 50 to stay home mostly. Um, you know, to go back to what we were doing a couple of months ago, even before you hear that from, you know, the governor and so forth. This is the time to be careful right now because it's people over 50 who are the people at risk. You've always been involved in the medical in the state of Rhode Island on a statewide level right up until this point, And you've still got a great voice there with Go Local Providence. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Gina's every other day report with the whole staff of all these experts. Percentage of that, the actual truth. I think she's telling the truth basically all the time. Um, you know, she's, she's back to once a week. Um, and I'm hoping that she'll make it a little more f- frequent than that because I think people need to hear that this thing is out there and spreading. Um, but I don't think she said anything that's that's off the truth. Okay, she's not hiding anything to protect the public for panic wise or anything like that. No, I, you know I I kind of wish people would be saying a little more clearly that the virus is present more than it was uh, two and three months ago, and that everybody needs to be more careful. Um, I think that could use a little bit more emphasis. So your projection right now. From all that you've read and studied and having a good feel of being a Rhode Island resident, as you can see, a spike coming very, very shortly. We're in a spike. Um, We're in a spike. We're in it right now. We're in a spike now, and I think it's going to get worse than we had in the springtime. That's your question. I think by three to four weeks from now, um, we're going to be in a pretty intense moment. Okay. Um, and, And the other thing that's important for people to remember is this is the time to get a flu shot. What we don't want to see is everybody getting uh, everybody getting COVID and a bunch of people getting flu at the same time, because that would be a huge mess and a huge strain on our hospitals. I so, know it's not related to the book we're discussing today, but I got a question for you as a doctor. Sure. Without paying a, a fee. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, the flu shot. I have never had one. My this wife. Is, this gets is the one. first year, anyway. My wife gets one every year. She got it two weeks ago. Good they for did her. it higher on her this time, so it was a little sore for a day. Yep. I've been told, and I don't know if it's true or not. There's possibility of catching two or three different types of flu. So, which flu shot are you going to get when your Walmart, your Walgreens, and all that stuff is offering one flu shot? So, what what many people don't know is the flu shot contains protection against three or four different flus. I didn't know that. Um, and so you get kind of three or four for one. One bang for the buck. Usually for the people who are over 50, they will give you the four version. So you get really good protection. You get as good protection as you can. Now, truth be told, the flu shot is not our most potent shot. You know, it doesn't work brilliantly the way our vaccines against measles, mumps, and rubella work. You know, it works okay, not brilliantly. However, most people also don't realize that if you get the flu, you know, you are down for the count for seven to ten days. People who get the flu feel like they've been run over by a truck. Most of us get the flu only once in 20 years, so we forget. Um, but when you get it, you do not have a good time, and you know the flu kills 25 to 50,000 people in the United States every single year. It's not, you know, it's not like a cold. It's way more intense. And COVID, by the way, is six times kills six times more people than the flu, six to eight times. So. Let me repeat that. We've been told and brainwashed that don't worry about COVID because more people die from the flu or heart attacks or cancer and everything else than the COVID. And you're stating that the flu, influenza, every fall when it comes out, is that low compared to COVID? Well, I mean, losing fifty to 25 to 50,000 people a year is not low. Um, it's way too many people from flu. But COVID, we've already lost 225,000. So we've lost more than, you know, more than, than six times the lower years. And we're pushing on six times the higher years. Interesting. You know, part of that is because, you know, most of us have had the flu once or twice in our lives. And we have some resistance to it. Immunities, yeah. But COVID is a new vaccine to you. It's a new disease to human beings. So none of us are immune to it. And, and that means the entire population of the United States is going to get COVID unless we get a vaccine or unless, you know, unless you can stay and be really careful until you get uh, until you get the vaccine. Most people also the reason it's confusing is that very, very few people under 50 will get sick enough to need the hospital um, from COVID. But as you get older. Um, your risk of needing the hospital and of dying rises quite dramatically. So by the time you're 80, um, you have a 1 in 10 chance of dying from COVID if you get it. Um, now, if you're under 50, you know, it's like a few in a couple of hundred thousand. So it rises as you go, and that's, that's why people over 50 need to be way more careful than young people. And that's what gets confusing. Because young people see that their friends are getting it and no big, nothing much happens. They're not looking at the people who are 50 and older who end up in the hospital. Um, and too many end up dying. We've lost almost 1,200 Rhode Islanders already. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Authors Hour on WNRI. 
1380 AM since 1954 in the Blackstone Valley and worldwide. And we're talking with Dr. Michael Fine, an author from North Central Rhode Island, also a renowned expert on this virus going around and basically uh, a health guru for this part of the country. Uh, the book we're discussing is The Bull and Other Stories. Uh, just before that, he released a book that we interviewed on this station, The Abundance, to a record sales. He's a member of the Association of Rhode Island Authors. And uh, everything is on his website or national or local bookstores. And if your local bookstore doesn't have it, give him a kick in the rump and he'll get them over there to him. And uh, what are you working on now? Um, well, I'm working on one short story a month. Okay. I'm working on a new novel uh, that's actually set in East Tennessee or Virginia um, about a really painful and difficult uh, actual case of child abuse. Wow. Um, and about how things work, you know, and, and there's a certain level of corruption that exists in the world that the novel sort of is grappling with. Can't wait. you got to get me a copy. I'll read it, and we'll get you scheduled right onto the show here and get you going. Sounds great. Thank you for being a member of the group, too, and uh, we're going to have a very good uh, married relationship with uh, our group all together on it. We're on the same wavelength. I want to thank you very much for taking the time with the very little notice to come in, and we can't wait for the next one. Thank you, Doctor. Thanks very much, Wayne. Thanks for doing this and everything else you do. Okay, thank you. That concludes that part of the show. Next one is going to be sponsored by Harvest Moon Health Foods up on Route 21 in Putnam, Connecticut. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle. Gluten-free products. Over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks. Help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Vatlin's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours on Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. HarvestMoonHealthFoods.net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And also Cereal's Pizza Rimmer and Restaurant. And they are open today with their fantastic special, the Jeff Gamash special or beach special. Be a warm enough today to take the kids out. Lodge cheese pizza every Tuesday, 15 slices, rectangle pizza, only $6. That is not a typo. Uh, dinner for two every Sunday for $19.99. Your choice of six to ten entrees. That does include soda or coffee and a decaf, your choice, or a homemade dessert also is included with a choices up to six. Every Sunday, dinner for two, $19.99. Cereal's Pizza Rimmer and Restaurant, takeout, delivery, or dine-in. 
Gina gave him the green light up to 66% uh, percent capacity. 401-568-7187. They'll have that delivery right to your door or pick up right there on the pizza side of the building. 52 years in business and also a great catering business. They just did a big birthday party for us. Don't tell us, uh, you know, don't tell the uh, authorities we had more than uh, 20 people, but we did have a good time and a safe time. 401-568-7187 for Cereals Pizza Rama and Restaurant. What a gold mine up there. Nice, nice job. And also, you know, we had the big races up at Stafford. And every time we come out to one of these big events or a book signing, there's always somebody kicking the tires or hitting the fender. You know what I'm going to say? They lock their keys in the key fob in the car. Now, who are they going to call? An ex-wife and find out they're three months behind on the alimony payments? Nope, they should be calling Larry's 24-Hour Towing. Also, the same building as Boroughville Motor Sales. You can schedule, make an appointment for a Rhode Island Vehicle State Inspection. We're still one of the last 11 states that have that fee. 401-568-6286. Peter, Jerry, John, Brian, and the rest of the ASC certified staff open uh, 8 to 5 at the repair garage and the used auto and truck sales. And 24-7 on Larry's 24-hour towing. Jump starting service. Maybe you just need a service jump. Uh, towing service. You just bought a vehicle. It's not registered. Give them the address. They'll get it right to your property for you. Expert body work and insurance estimates by calling 401-568-6286. Next on the lineup, we have our second author of the day and a very, very familiar voice to all of our WNRI listeners on all of our talk shows. He goes back with Dick Bouchard, back to the late 50s, one of the first inaugural callers to the shows, and he's still going strong. You know he's blind, and you know his nickname, Mr. Nobody. But did you know he's an author? And now we're working on book number seven and eight, I have them right in the studio now, the books, and we're going to introduce Leo Seafrisk, alias Mr. Nobody. How are you? Hey, good morning, Wayne. Very good, thank you. Fantastic. How did you like that first half of the show? Oh, I was going to, I was going to comment on that. We're going to go from an excellent, very serious conversation to a conversation about a ghost story. <laughs> Can okay. we get that on your show, Wayne? Okay, the first part is... Uh, you're a blind author. You talk to the computer. Then you have the editor to do it. You had Jamie Forgetta, a Ponagansi graduate, doing an awful lot of your illustrations in your cricket series that were really selling like hotcakes. Everywhere I put them out, people are asking them uh, by name and what else you got coming. And then you come out and you drop a bomb on me, coming of age in the 1960s with Chuck and Leo C. Frisk, and I think... Gail was on the cover too, isn't she? Yeah, she is when she was a little child. What we did with that book, which that book will be coming out to the area in December. Okay. And that one there is, again, it's uh, anyone that remembers the 60s. Uh, and if you don't remember the 60s, well, you can take a look back at the 60s and what it was like growing up from 61 to 65, from I was 11 till when I was 15. And... We had moved to a small town in Uxbridge, Mass. And what it's like growing up in a country setting. Okay. And Let's bring our listening audience up to date. 
uh, we have a worldwide audience on the Authors Hour instead of just a regular talk show regulars that we have here at WNRI. We're talking with Leo C. Frist, Jr., also alias Mr. Nobody. He was born right here in the quiet city of Woonsocket in 1950, so you can do the math on that. When he was seven years old, his family moved to a small country town in Mass. He lived in a house with a backyard filled with woods and ponds. He grew up learning about playing outdoors with all kinds of animals, insects, snakes, turtles, etc. Leo is totally blind and writes his stories based on his many childhood memories he has stored in his imagination. Because of this, he considers himself to be a 70-year-old boy who shares his life with his wife, Gail, who helps him with his stories by providing a bit of inspiration. A resident of Harrisville, Rhode Island, and a few times a year down to Florida if they have the uh, allowing Rhode Island residents in. <laughs> he enjoys going down with his sons down in Florida, too. Uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, it's a book that uh, is out at... Uh Matter of fact, you can purchase a copy, at, an autographed copy, at Beals Flowers in Diamond Hill Road, Woonsocket. Or you can buy purchase one at the toll booth on 129 Main Street in Blackstone. And this copy is autographed. They're $8 each. And that's Hazel and Blue. That's a little ghost story that I put together. And uh, it <clears throat> came out actually just in time for Halloween. It's uh, about a young girl who is awakened by two blue lights floating in her room. She soon discovers that the lights are not lights, they're eyes, followed by two greenish-brown eyes floating in her room, and thus hazel and blue. What is the age group this is appropriate for, hazel and blue children's book? 6 to 11, or actually, it's interesting, Wayne, I found that many ladies over the age of 60 are enjoying my stories almost as much as uh, young children. But 6 to 11 is um, the age I would uh, recommend for Hazel and Blue. And it's it's a ghost story, but it's a delightful ghost story with a, an ending that I think the parents will enjoy reading and the children will enjoy reading. Okay, now all eight of your books are seven that are available now and one coming out very, very shortly for mass production at Coming of Age in the 1960s. All of those have no pornographic material anywhere in the books. Our grandparents and guardians feel safe. Any one of these books you can put right on your coffee table. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, coming of age, I recommend for children 12 to 15. Okay. And again, I think uh, any adult that reads it will get a, uh, an interesting either a review back if, they've, you know, if they're old enough, uh, what it was like growing up in the early 60s. And anyone else would get an idea of what it was like, especially with a, a mother who was a saint, because I was very mischievous when I was young. Okay, we have a, a lot of following on the show on email on uh, publishing questions, uh, editing questions, uh, graphics, a lot of this stuff, illustrators and stuff. And i got to uh, let our audience know, you've done business in the past with a former president of our group, uh, Steve Porter and Dawn at Stillwater Press, and you've had trends, uh, fantastic results working with that small publisher right here. Well, he's not small anymore. He's got there are 100 books ahead of him right now to get out. But then we talked about the different options available for publishing, and I um, had a conversation with you on the air and off the air on the other different options out there, uh, blurb, 
Apple Books now, and also a company called Lulu. Now, I've noticed that you've switched over in the last couple of books. Uh, you have taken the big step in going 100% digital printing with Lulu. In your honest opinion, how has that transition uh, worked? I think it's worked very well because <clears throat> I, uh, the uh, Hazel and Blue is it's not illustrated like the, because the Cricket series was uh, uh, more of a cartoonish series. And this here was a little bit more serious, so it's uh, it's a chapter book. It has the different chapters in it. But the only illustrate, the only thing I had done was the cover work, which my sister, who is a terrific artist, uh, did the cover for me. And my son, who is a very well-educated young man, offered to do the publishing. And of course, I wrote the story. I had help with editing by. Uh, uh, a fantastic lady, uh, Janine Dion, helped out with the editing, and we had the printing done by Lulu. And it actually worked out pretty well because my son did a, did a great deal of work setting it up. And that's the, that's the key to it. If you're going to try to do it totally by yourself, Wayne, you have to be able to work a computer really well, and you have to be able to do the fundamental work of setting up and designing. And that takes time. That takes quite a bit of time to, to get it and get it right. And also you've included photography in that too and elected to go with the black and white to keep the cost down too. But you have guidelines on that for pixel size, uh, PDF files, so on and so forth. When you worked with Lulu, uh, very, very important, and I get this question from a lot of people, can you actually talk to a person in customer service, or is everything electronically and you're talking to somebody from China? Oh, gee, I'd have to ask my son to answer that question for me, because he did the publishing. Okay. But I know that, I know that uh, on uh, the delivery date, on coming of age, that came in, I had some books, I, uh, you have a couple of copies, you're the only one, by the way, that has copies of it, so if anybody wishes to pre-order, you know, they could uh, call me here at the house or email me. Okay. And my email is chuckjr50 at cox.net. Okay. But, uh, yeah, no, it, uh, so that part I wouldn't be able to answer. But I can answer um, when I was asking the delivery date, my son emailed and got a, an email directly back. And I've had uh, good fortune as far as receiving the books and the quality of work has been very good. Okay. Now, the big question. Uh, there's all kinds of figures being thrown around with a lot of different publishers. There's a lot of uh, deception going on, a lot of fraud going on with some of these overnight publishers that are out of business two months later. Your outlay of cash on this, this is just-in-time supply, print-on-demand. Was there any fees up front, a membership fee or a minimum fee to be a member, anything like that? Nope, nothing. Absolutely free. And, uh, and like I said, my son was the one that set it all up. And what we what we did was we ordered a proof copy for one for him and one for me. That was uh, a little bit more expensive than I thought. Well, that's not expensive. It was like ten bucks because they were shipping just the one book. Right. But you, you get know, a lower they, price if you're shipping quantity, and they have sales right. going on too. That's right. But the good thing was, and this worked out very well because when the proof came in. The coloring was wrong on the back, so you couldn't read what was uh, the synopsis of what was in the book. 
But that was what you had submitted, so that's what that's they printed. Correct. Okay. Yep, that's correct. And so what my son did was he called them, set up a different color, uh, made some changes inside, you know, inside the book as far as uh, we had misspelled a few things and we double-checked the, you know, everything inside the printing. Uh, size print was, was terrific. And he, one, one, one phone call, everything was set up, changed, and perfect. Great. I got an email here for you from Troy, and he's asking... Uh, did the publisher, Lulu, supply or give you the option of getting the ISBN number and your copyright through them, or did you have to supply them as an outside source? You supply them. Okay. And what, what, what we did, and my son checked with a lawyer, so it's uh, legal. You know, it, 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 it uh, complies with the rules and laws. If you'll notice on... Uh, the inside page of, I'll uh, say, Coming of Age, it's on uh, uh, oh, either one, hazel and blue. If you turn the page, uh, the first page, I'll have my picture. At the bottom, it'll say, uh, published by, uh, edited, cover, design, yep. printed by Lulu. It's printed by Lulu. You have to, see, that's the thing with this, you have to design it yourself. And on the back of the first page, it'll have at the bottom, copyright. Okay. And it has the copyright law at the bottom of the second page. Okay. Now, did you have to get a lawyer to get that copyright uh, official registered with the government? No. No. Once it's uh, been uh, registered through Lulu, then it, 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 you're covered with the copyright. Okay. Because I get, a lot, I I get a lot of emails on those two subject matters on that, uh, what to do and what not to do on that. Now, well, these well, books, going through Lulu, do they automatically get into Amazon and Barnes and Noble, or do no. they go to the regular smaller, like a tailor, a warehouse distribution, or does Lulu have its own? No, you have to do your own distribution. That's the difference between going through Lulu or going through uh, uh, Stillwater River Press. Or create space with Amazon and everything else. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. So you're responsible for all the marketing getting this out. It's not going to be a blanket thing. Uh, a bookstore in San Francisco is not going to call their warehouse and get this in because it's not going to be on part of their inventory. That's correct. And I did it this way because I've done it the other way before. But I wanted to try it and try doing it by myself in this particular environment. Uh, I thought it would be an interesting attempt at doing, you know, doing it ourselves. And... I like the way the books came out. Now it's whether or not I can distribute and sell as many copies as I did, you know, with the Cricket series. Okay. Which should be interesting, and I, I can let you know how I make out with that. But it's, well, the other thing is, too, you retain a lot more of the profits, too. You know, you're eliminating two or three steps of uh, taking profits out along the way. Uh, selling That's a book correct. on Amazon is basically pennies back to the author. You know, That's a lot of our authors and listeners of the show think... They've got a book in them. Let's get the book out of there and I can retire. That'll be my nest egg on one book. It, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to put some effort into it with marketing and get your feet wet and get an education on it. You agree on that? Oh, absolutely. And I've noticed, Wayne, that if I personally go personally to a bookstore and meet the uh, manager or the owner and speak with them, it's more successful than it is 
just having uh, you know uh, another person try and get the books into these stores for you. Okay, so you've had and tremendous noticed, success on that one-on-one. Yeah, and I've I've had good success in uh, just the Rhode Island, Massachusetts area. You know, with all of the books but one. The Thanksgiving book didn't work out as well as I had hoped. But you know, it's like life. You know, some books sell really well, and others don't. <laughs> Now, you also had the experience of getting into a few schools with the cricket series. How did that work out in your reception to your audience, uh, talking with a blind author about a book? How did that work out with those young people? Well, it works off, I think, uh, tremendously because the first half hour or more is spent asking me what it's like to be blind, which is great because that's the reason, main reason I go is to get children to understand what it's like to be a blind person and to see that you know blind individuals can do things besides just sit home and do nothing and the second thing is the books and my goal has always been the reason i started writing books and children's books was to get one child to read and i've been tremendously successful which i'm very proud of in every school i've gone to at least one child has taken up a book and it wasn't a very adapt at reading and became adept at it because of the fact that they enjoyed meeting me and say, if a blind person could do this, I want to see what he has to say. And it, it's worked out very well, I think. If you're just tuning in, it's the last uh, second half of the Author's Hour on WNRI 99.9 FM. And we're talking with Leo C. Frisk, alias doing business as Mr. Nobody, on all of our talk shows and really coming up in the literary world with uh, book number seven and eight. We've been talking about Coming of Age in the 60s by Chuck and Leo and uh, Gail's pictures on the cover, too. That's going to be in a future sale very shortly. And the newest one he has out to go along with the Cricket series is Hazel and Blue, available right here at B. Lou's Flowers and the Toll Booth right down on Main Street in Blackstone and uh, other fine uh, places like that. I know I sell all his books in all my events, too. And uh, they sell themselves. I put them right out there. And, oh, you got Leo's book. You got Mr. Nobody's book. And they, they're missing a book in your cricket series, so they try to fill in the holes in that. And they're all looking for you. Leo, I want to thank you very much for taking the time, Mr. Nobody. I'm glad to call you a friend and another Moravillian. And uh, best in the future here on all your new works coming out. That novel, we'll get that next one you get going. Get me a copy. We'll read it and get you right on the author's hour. I thank you very much for the time and uh, great success in your future. Thank you, Leo. All right. Thanks, Wayne. And the next part of our show is going to be sponsored by, I'm right under the wire here, Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Uh, pick up and daily uh, ship by uh, 11 o'clock in the morning right from Six Hill Road in Harrisville by calling 401-710-9992, open 8 to 5, along with the same business in the building as Hopkin Brothers Auto Repair with the best brake job in northern Rhode Island. Race car parts and supplier and custom fabrication, they'll actually build you a race car. They have the chassis mechanics, all the jigs, Simpson, MSD Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, so much more. And that is Northeast Race Cars and Speed and Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. They also have an 800 number, 1-800-766-4748, all locally, popular, 401-710-9992. And the last one 
closes out the day is Green Dragon Comics. They are closed today, but they've added on artificial flower arrangements now, too, to go along with the gift shop. We are at the dragon is the slogan. It's an inflatable uh, green dragon at the intersection of Route 100 and 102 in Chapatchet, Rhode Island. 401-742-0180. Check them out on Facebook. Like it. And you'll be on their list for sealed events, dual events, Fortnite, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. I'd like to thank Leo C. Frist, Mr. Nobody, for talking about his latest two books. And Dr. Michael C. Find, a big, big on The Bowl and other short stories. And the book just before that he got out was The Abundance. Uh, we'll be back on the air Sunday morning with the outdoor scene. And thank you very much for tuning in and all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnriyahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.